Pond.com. It's time now for a Pond Further Review with your host, Josh Norman, here on WJQS The Fan. And a good evening to you once again with you on a Monday night. April the 26th, the bill. Time is flying. Yeah, we're about to May. Unbelievable. We Cinco appreciate you joining Mayo. us. Cinco de Mayo is coming up, and I love Cinco de Mayo <laughs> because I love chips and salsa. I love the month of May. I love the summer. And uh, so a lot of, lot of awesome things um, coming up. So we are in the Garner Dental Group studios. Garner Dental Group is a collection of 18 dental and orthodontic offices conveniently located across Mississippi. They have complimentary whitening for new hygiene patients. You can check out their interactive map, LakeGarnerDentalGroup.com, to find one of their five metro locations, as well as others across the state and region, or you can call them, 601-271-8710. Speaking of calling, we'd love to hear from you. Caller line, 601-366-1180. You can discuss anything we're talking about on the show uh, or anything you would like. Text line 601-817-0106. Those are both both sponsored by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It is good to be blue. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, 106.3 FM, uh, the fan here in the Jackson Metro area, 1400 AM as well. Or if you're online with us at uh, WJQSTheFan.com, we appreciate you joining us tonight. We're here with you every Monday night from 6 to 8 p.m., few ways to get in touch with touch with us, we mentioned the text and caller line. Also want to tell you about our Twitter account. Our Twitter feed is up at, at upon underscore sports. That's at upon underscore sports uh, for Twitter. Uh, shoot us a tweet, question. Uh, you can also follow me at JD Coach on Twitter uh, as well. Podcast is up for our last show, and uh, we appreciate all of you that are downloading the podcast, it's available wherever you get your podcast. Simply uh, search up upon further review or my name, Josh Dorman, and uh, you can get those podcasts for each of the previous five shows, and typically we're able to drop those sometime midweek. So just in time for you uh, to mow the grass on the weekends, to uh, sit back by the pool, whatever it is you do while you're listening to your podcast. Maybe it's a little weekend trip. Uh, we appreciate you downloading that and uh, listening in if you miss any part of the show. So we've got a big show tonight, and uh, we're going to welcome in in the next segment uh, Ryan Buchanan. Ryan is uh, runs Q, uh, QB Country here in the Jackson metro area. He's a former Jackson prep quarterback uh, as well as Ole Miss quarterback. And uh, we're going to talk about quarterback development at the high school level. So we'd love to hear from you. Once again, uh, the phone line, 601-366-1180. Text line, 601 817 0106. Both of those brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. Uh, we're going to talk with Ryan uh, specifically about uh, why the state of Mississippi uh, struggles to produce uh, big-time quarterbacks on a yearly basis. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of those reasons. I've also reached out to uh, many coaches, both in-state, out-of-state. We've talked about some of the different dynamics associated with that. We'll talk about a few of the quarterbacks that have recently uh, come out of the state and how they fared at the collegiate level as well as those that you obviously know that have had big-time NFL careers, the likes of Steve McNair, uh, Brett Favre, 
uh, Archie Manning, uh, Jason Campbell, and uh, and more. So we'll talk about uh, those things and and kind of where the development of a quarterback uh, currently is uh, at the high school level. So should be a lot of fun conversation. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of recruiting during that uh, from the standpoint of who we've got coming out of the state, both in the 21 and 22 classes uh, coming up from the quarterback position. In the second hour, we're going to have Doug Colson, uh, who is a part of Mississippi Sports this morning on this station, uh, along with Mark Alexander, every morning, weekday, 6 to 8 a.m. on this station, 106.3 FM, 1400 AM, and obviously com. So you can check those guys out. Uh, we're going to talk with Doug about the NFL draft. The NFL draft coming up on Thursday night, and there's a lot of things. I've just noticed something. One of the first questions I'm going to ask Doug is uh, is why Fields uh, from Ohio State is, uh, is, uh, is dropping. Uh, the last uh, mock draft I saw had him drop down, I believe, to, to, to number nine. Uh, excuse me, Justin Fields at number eight to Carolina, who just traded for Sam Darnold. Now, certainly those are projections, but we'll get Doug's take on that. Uh, we'll get his take on the overall quarterback class uh, of this particular draft, as well as some of the prospects. Uh, I always like to know who the steal of each round will be. So who are the first round steal will be, in his opinion, uh, when you look at uh, Thursday night's draft. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, later in the show, as always, we're joined by the judge for the Coach's Challenge. And uh, he's going to throw the flag on load management in the NBA. So that should be fun uh, as he throws the flag, the challenge flag, on load management and some of the superstars uh, and their load management uh, process in the NBA. So we've got a great show uh, here coming up with you. Uh, we are, uh, as always, joined in studio by Bill. And, uh, Bill, how was your weekend? It was a good one. Lots of resting. Actually, I did a little bit of yard work. There you go. There you yeah. go. Well, we, we had a beautiful sunny time down in Orange Beach. Uh-oh. And uh, we got back a little bit earlier today. Uh, had a great time down there. Spent, uh, spent about four days. And, uh, fortunately, we had some great weather uh, yesterday. It was was a, just an absolutely beautiful day. And I've seen that, look, uh, we're about to get some of those uh, late spring temps. Uh, some mid-80s here later in the week. So, Starkin, talking about yard work, your grass is going to be growing fast, Bill. Mine has grown right. <laughs> I cut it, and about three days later, that big first storm hit, and now it's back like it was. Yeah. It didn't take long. Yeah, yeah. Between the water and the mid-80s, uh, you're going to be you're going to be mowing that grass uh, a good bit uh, as we go forward. So, a- as we look into the conversation regarding uh, the, the development of high school quarterbacks, uh, that's kind of going to be our topic for the first uh, hour of the show we're going to talk with ryan buchanan like i mentioned uh, we'll also I'll, I'll detail some things that coaches uh, have mentioned to me uh, one of the primary things is obviously when you have this conversation the first thing you want to go to is is development or coaching or uh you know some of those types of things and, and while that plays a role in it yes um you also have to look at per capita we're a smaller state and certainly when you look at uh, the the uh, uh, places, the states that are developing quarterbacks at the highest rate, you're looking at states like Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, uh, ca- uh, California. And so, you know, when you look at those, obviously you just have access to more athletes at that point. And so we, we have to consider that in, in the size of our state when we consider uh, why maybe there's a lack of development with regards to the quarterback. The other thing is resources. Uh, I think that a lot of people, and this is something we'll hit on with Ryan later, but a lot of people don't understand that that you have to develop in, as a quarterback outside of your normal high school routines. 
you have to, if you want to be better at throwing the football, reading uh, progressions, then you, you have to go get individualized training, or it can be group training, but it's got to be specific training to the quarterback position. Uh, and it's hard sometimes to find those types of things here in the state. And certainly uh, people that are credible uh, to, to be able to develop that. And so you, you find uh, people that have to go to different states to, to get that type of development. And uh, certainly QB country here in the local area uh, and Ryan Buchanan are, are trying to change that, uh, as are others. But, uh, but that could be, you know, certainly is, is one of the things to consider. The other is, and, and this is the thing that came from a lot of the coaches, is when you look at the systems that are in place, a lot of the systems are run-centric. And keep in mind that a high school football coach's responsibility is to put his players in the best positions to be successful. Uh, ultimately, you know, they can't lose 11 games a year but develop a quarterback that goes to the collegiate level uh, and, 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 and their job be secure or, or the rest of their team uh, be, be okay with that. And so they have to run the systems that are best for their players. Now, another side of that coin is we also are antiquated to some degree. We're still in the wing T and the wishbone and the power I, and, and the reason for that is it's what some of our coaches have taught for and run for 30 years, and it's what they taught their assistants to run, and so now their assistants are head coaches, and that's what they're running. And so there's a lot of run-centered offensive philosophies in the state, and we have not developed as coaches and as programs uh, to include, incorporate, throwing the football. I can tell you, uh, I you know between calling football games, watching football games at the high school level each year, I see a lot of football, and I don't see a lot of teams that, that, that are real comfortable throwing a football. They're a lot more comfortable – uh, putting, uh, for example, the, the, the Wildcat that, that came in, you know, a decade ago and you put your best athlete back there and, and you just move the line and you run behind that line. And, you know, there's a, a ton of different options, but uh, there's also a ton of different reasons. And we'll go through some of those uh, and we'll talk to Ryan Buchanan. Uh, Ryan Buchanan is uh, currently running quarterback country. He was a Jackson prep and Ole Miss quarterback. And we're going to talk quarterback development here uh, for this first hour. So don't go anywhere. I want to remind you uh, about Jerry Brewer. He is a trusted choice advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance. Local local guy. Contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or visit southerngulfstates.com for all of your insurance needs. We're coming up with Ryan Buchanan right after this. Welcome back in upon further review here in the Garner Dental Group Studios. And uh, our next or first guest of the evening is uh, Ryan Buchanan. You can follow him on Twitter, underscore Ryan Buchanan, underscore. Uh, it's Instagram, Ryan9Buchanan. Or you can follow him at QB Country on Twitter or Instagram. Ryan, how are you this evening, my friend? Man, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Man, I'm, I can't be any better unless I was back down 
in Orange Beach where uh, where I was the last few days. So I uh, had to come back to the real world. That's right. I come I can use it few days down there myself so yeah man excited to be on your show and uh, looking forward to hearing the and yeah no doubt no doubt well look we appreciate you joining us and uh we're going to talk uh this first hour ryan we're talking about uh quarterback development uh in the state of mississippi at the high school level uh and so when we when we talk about that i really want to back up and and i want you to kind of give uh everybody just the the, the one minute synopsis of your career Obviously, you played at Jackson Prep, Ole Miss, uh, and once you left Ole Miss, what got you back into uh, the world of developing quarterbacks and what you're doing now with QB Country? Yeah, um, so I guess back it up from, from from the Jackson area, played high school about Jackson Prep, and uh, was, was fortunate enough to receive some SEC scholarships and uh, look at other places in Florida and Alabama and. Uh, North Carolina and other other places, but uh, at the time, uh, Heath Freeze was at Ole Miss, and, and he structured together um, top three recruiting class in the country, and I had a couple other guys from South Florida to, to Chicago to, to Georgia um, that we all kind of talked together on official visits and, and were able to go together, and, and we all wanted to be in the same class and kind of take a top class to a different school outside of an Alabama or Michigan, Notre Dame, et cetera. So we went to Ole Miss and um, it was kind of, you know, came in behind Bo Wallace, who was a great SEC quarterback and um, beat Alabama and had some awesome wins. And, and I think had nine wins uh, my sophomore year. And so I believe we went eight, nine, ten wins. Uh, and then the last the year, kind of once Bo graduated, Chad Kelly uh, transferred in from – Clemson, I guess Clemson and Juco, and we fought it out. And um, you know, at, at that level, at that good of a team, I, I had you know one extra pick or one short, you know, of a touchdown in fall camp, and he got that start. And uh, we were we were the high flying rebels that year, and went, had ten wins. And um, after that, I was kind of just waiting to see if he was going to the NFL. Um, after that first year, if he went, you know, I would have stayed and, and, and started that next year. And, um, unfortunately, it was coming back again, and uh, I told my parents all the time, I was, born, I was born at the wrong year. This was kind of right before everybody could transfer without sitting out Yeah. Um, in 2015, and then in 17, 18, you could transfer and start right away, and I was like, you know, once Chad came back, you know, I decided to kind of get out of football, but I, I didn't want to go into, go into coaching um, side, and, and some people are still trying to pull me in there. I like the training and development side. Um, so David Morris, I was fortunate enough to start a QB country. He's trained a multitude of NFL quarterbacks um, and college guys right now all throughout the country in Battle Five schools. And he called me and, and wanted me to take over the Mississippi uh, training location, which we rent space and work with D1 Sports in Madison. Um, so I really am studying underneath David of what he learned from college scouts, what type of offense you know guys are running at the high school level as well, but we want to eventually develop them um, to get a full-ride scholarship, which, you know, changes lives for a family. Um, so I'm really studying underneath David and combining what I've learned and how I could throw the ball as fast and as far as I could and kind of dialing that back. I actually just got done with the lesson of a middle school uh, quarterback and just going through, you know, breaking down mechanics to figure out how I was able to do what I've done, take what I've learned, 
and studying what David had learned through his football scripts and his practice scripts and combining the two together. And, and, and luckily I'm doing that right now. Uh, so that's, I know it's a little bit longer than you wanted to hear, but just want to give your you know, listeners a background of kind of how I got with QB country. Um, and get, Josh, help me out. What was your, what were you finally getting at? It was, you said quick synopsis. Yeah, and then, uh, that, that, kind you, of love your story about that. I know, uh, no, uh, you, a little extended. You gave it to us there, and, and you mentioned uh, that kind of will lead in. want to remind everybody, if you want to call in and, and you have a question with regards to quarterback development, if you have a comment, uh, give us a call at 601-366-1180 or shoot us a text, 601-817-0106. Uh, both of those lines sponsored by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. And, and, and Ryan, you kind of led into what my next, next question was going to be. And, and when you look at development of quarterback at the high school level, at yeah. what age, you mentioned you were working with a middle school student, at what age should that really start? Uh, for a young person that that has a, a desire or a dream to pursue being a big time quarterback, Josh, I, I tell you what, this is training and development for personal personal training has has jumped uh, has jumped a lot in the last couple of years. I mean, I feel like when I was coming out of high school, there just wasn't much out there, um, and I just kind of figured out on my own. Guys are starting at an earlier age now than ever before. This is not just what I'm seeing in the Jackson metro area. We have coaches in South Florida, Atlanta, Nashville, Memphis, Birmingham, Mobile, you name it. We're training the entire southeast. And uh, sometimes I'll start training a kid in sixth grade, sometimes be seventh. Most of my quarterbacks, I'd say 90% of my middle school guys, or let's just say sixth grade through ninth, are also playing baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is fine. I think it's great. I've always been a big advocate of two different sports. But the mechanics are absolutely could not be more different than a starting pitcher and a starting quarterback. Mm. Um, completely different starts with the shape of the you know the ball. Completely different. You don't have to throw a style with the baseball. You just snap your wrist. Hopefully, that four seam fastball goes where you want to. Right. It's different. Um, I don't. I, it's hard for me to say you have to start at this certain age. But I think every parent can agree. Man, you know what? If I'm training my kid to be a starting pitcher. And I'm telling him to over – what you do, you stride out very far on a mound. I teach step straight down. That's why Aaron Rodgers has a quick release and seems like he, you know, just flicks a football, which right. people like saying. It starts with Aaron's step. And it's completely different from pitching. So I feel like, you know, I personally like working with a kid in seventh grade, eighth grade, or ninth grade. By the, if I take over someone in tenth, I probably can get that release where I want to. Um, and not and not, not even talking about footwork. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, if you're building a wrong habit or you start playing quarterback in seventh grade and you're pretty far off and you keep doing that every, for thousands of reps, it's going to be harder for guys like me to get the most out of you. And I don't want to do a big change once a guy's a junior, and especially starting at high school level. I'm going to make him the best high school quarterback I could, he could be, but there is a higher ceiling if I'm working with kids in the eighth grade. Because I can fix something at that point if he trains enough with me, get the release where he wants, get his elbow snapping, throws his tricep in his lap, throw with bigger muscles in his body. I can do that at a younger age. So by the time they're trying to start, and, they, and I don't want them ever thinking about mechanics while they're on the practice field with a high school coach. I want them out there balling, man. I want to use athletic ability. But it should that athletic ability should just – you should react except when you just react, it should be perfect mechanics. That's what I want to get to do. 
you can do that a little bit better. And when I've worked with a kid in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, more so than in high school. Yeah, and I want to mention, uh, you know, you mentioned Ryan. You were a you, you, multiple sports. That's that's something that we believe in heavily here as a show. It's my philosophy as an athletic director. Uh, I love to see young people playing multiple sports, and you were quite the basketball player um, at, yeah. uh, at, at during high school. And a good friend of mine, David Horner, uh, I believe, had the ability, opportunity to coach you and Josh Williams and uh, and that group uh, to at least one overall state championship, if I remember correctly. Hey, yeah, he did. Um, I'm telling you, basketball came a lot more natural to me than football. Uh, my dad played small, you know, small college basketball and taught me a jump shot at an early age. But I mean, that like right there, I mean that that makes you a better athlete for for football. I know track definitely made me a lot faster. Yeah. Um, whether I was good at it or not, it's just you're teaching the kid how to run with longer strides. I mean, it, it, all that does play into it. The explosiveness of playing basketball, getting a rebound, mm. you know, you're seeing how much you jump in a regular basketball game. Yeah. you got to play up by the rim. That's teaching explosiveness. When I take off out of the pocket and the pocket breaks down, i got to get five yards really quick to get back to that line of scrimmage. That's explosiveness. Yeah. So, I mean, you're training a lot of different muscles in different sports. I mean, look, you're not going to go wrong if you just do one. But I also don't think it's a bad thing to do a lot of different sports. There just isn't one. I mean, I'm, I will say just because I know the mechanics of what works to throw a football to get a kid to throw it 60 yards when he comes out of high school. Pitching, it, it's gonna. You can do both. I, I did both. It just may take a little bit longer. I mean, right. I have some kids in the sixth grade that are frustrated. They're like, man, you know, I just I had a kid today. I was working on his stride, and he would load up. He, he lifts that front leg when he bats cleanup, and that's just taking too long for me when you stride with football. So, yeah. like, hey, hey, you know what? You can do it. You can break through those habits. It just may take a little bit of time. Absolutely. But yeah, look, I, I agree. I think I think playing multiple sports is, is a great thing, and it teaches your muscles to work in different ways. So we're, we're joined by Ryan Buchanan. He's, uh, he's running the QB country here in central Mississippi. And I want to Ryan, remind each of you, uh, to reach out to Jerry Brewer, who is a Trusted Choice Advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance. Contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or at southerngulfstates.com. We've got more with Ryan Buchanan coming up next. We're going to talk about high school football. We're going to talk about the development that's taking place there and why Mississippi may struggle a little bit in developing elite high-level quarterbacks. Don't go anywhere. We'll be more, back with more with Ryan Buchanan right after this. Welcome back in to Upon Further Review. I am Josh Dorman. Sorry about that. I pointed to you too soon. I forgot I had to say something there. <laughs> Go ahead. No worries. Yes, that is me. Josh Dorman, I am your host, Upon Further Review. And we are joined once again by Ryan Buchanan. And Ryan, uh, I want to be cautious here when we talk about development of quarterbacks at the high school level and preface it to say, that, that in no way is this necessarily a, uh, uh, a negative towards high school football coaches in the state, 
uh, as their job is to take what they have and do the best that they can with the personnel that they have. Uh, and so when we talk about the development piece of that, uh, yes, there is a lacking in some cases, but the lacking, in my opinion, falls within the idea that, that we still run a lot of run-centric offenses here at the high school level. And so the opportunity or the knowledge base just doesn't exist uh, to necessarily develop a quarterback at a high level. How much do you think the systems that are run still in the state uh, and the lack of a lot of throwing systems uh, goes into play as far as the development of elite quarterbacks? Um, it, it, it's almost everything, and uh, I would I would definitely say that. And, again, like I was thinking of an answer um, to your question, and uh, the first thing that came to my mind was like, you know, this is not a knock on high, any high school coaches because if I, if I had a guy who – we didn't have anybody that could throw a football – past 20 yards, you know what, I'm going to be run-centric. That is part of it. Or if I have an SEC guy running back, you know what, and I may have a guy who's feeling as a high school quarterback, it's, it's going to be tough, you know what I mean, to go five wide and, and go up tempo like that because you want, you want to get the best of what you got. But I also know the other side of that. Um, through just training so many different kids over the last couple of years, and I know their offenses, and I know what their coaches are teaching, and it's either being not know. It's a couple of different things. One is I think the most common is just being naive um, and doing what is kind of easy, an easy run-centric offense, et cetera, um, and they don't spend time on the quarterbacks to, to figure out what is what is everyone doing nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. offenses have changed a lot, obviously, in 10 years, but how quick are they running? Are they doing a lot of RPOs? How quick are they getting plays off? If, the, if I do want to run an up-tempo offense, what's the footwork associated with it? I'm not saying you have to come to us to see it. It's out there. It's on social media. Mm. It's on YouTube. I mean, you can look at our stuff at QB Country on social media. Um, you can follow different coaches. I mean, our main account will post you know stuff from different coaches and see the drills that we're doing. And, and, and you know what? Try to educate yourself on that. Um, if, if you do want to run an up-tempo offense, um, you don't have to study this and do it full-time like us. And, again, or you don't have to send kids to us. We'd love to help. But I definitely think with, with this day and age, you can just be a little bit more aware. And you be, you try to teach yourself as if you were playing that position and explain how to teach it to a quarterback. Now, going back to the offense, if you're running under center, which I did in high school, which I didn't, I didn't throw over 13 times a game. It made me so mad. Um, but if, if you're doing a read, you know, it's just an option under center, you're running a Georgia Tech offense, you're not going to get the most out of a quarterback. And you're not going to spend time trying to get him better because you don't need him. Um, so I think it's just a couple different things. Uh, you know, it's just a lack of offense awareness, maybe running old stuff what you've always done, and then maybe possibly just teaching a kid you know, you don't know, and that's fine. You don't have to know it off the top of your head, but just do some research and look up certain videos of what people are posting out there. I mean, I, we know our competition across the entire country, and we're aware of it. I'm not saying their stuff is bad. It's roughly the same, you know. Mm. So I think there's just you got to do the digging um, to try to find out what's the most effective, you know, footwork. Uh, mechanics to teach a you know to teach a quarterback yeah and offense to back it up so so for those out there that listened to uh, our show two weeks ago this really is a great correlation to strength and conditioning 
because what you're describing in quarterback training is happening in strength and conditioning or speed and explosion at the high school level, and that is that we have people trying to teach these things, and they're either teaching antiquated lifts, they're not modernizing their speed and explosion programs, or they simply just aren't trained to do this, and so therefore they can't realistically train an athlete either, and that seems to be uh, what you're talking about when it comes to uh, when it comes to development of quarterback, is that at the high school level, it's not the lack of a desire or uh, or uh, even even wanting to do the right thing. It really boils down to the whole idea of, of, of listen, this is what I've always done, so this is what I'm going to continue to do. Uh, and, and ultimately, that yeah. ends up you know being a negative towards a young person that may have a desire to be a quarterback. That's exactly right, Josh. I think you described that perfectly. Um, I, I've known coaches around here it doesn't matter if it's a rural school you know not as many kids i know 6a schools that 6a public football have unbelievable talent and my gosh their offenses are just so far behind and it's not effective and and i've had quarterbacks transfer out of certain schools so i personally thought i've seen their arm talent i've worked with them one-on-one they were first they, they were fcs talent they were Division Two talent. Some might have been Power Five talent, but they were going nowhere with stubborn coaches. And, I, and it's just unfortunate the way that worked out. To where, if there were more schools who were doing, you know, were going four wide, five wide, got this, you know, hopefully have some guys to, to throw to and have the offense they want to build and innovate it, they would have gotten. They, they would have. They could have put in some very athletic kids to another level. But you just you have a ceiling that's blocking you. Yeah. And it, you know, it is unfortunate. I, I have seen that. You're right. All right, so talk about when you train an athlete, when you train a quarterback. Uh, break it down to uh, we've got about uh, let's we got about five minutes left. Break it down to the most important core factors of, of becoming an elite quarterback. Are those in footwork? Are they in the hips? Uh, is it in the throwing motion? Uh, or all of the above, where does that lie for you as a teacher or quarterback? I'll tell you this right now, and I feel like I have a good enough database after 50 different kids that I've trained in the past couple of years. Um, I'm going to back it up even more. None of those options. Okay. It's a, it, it's a mental awareness. Mm. There's a difference when a kid walks in the eighth grade, and I see him watching other things going on in my gym when I'm trying to explain what he did wrong or how to fix it, and I don't see a focus there. I don't see a desire there. I see when people say, what's the it factor in a quarterback? Now, look, all guys at the college level, if you're trying to say who has the it factor for an NFL player, that's a little different, right? Right. I'm saying who wants to be middle school to a top high school quarterback to then translate to a top college quarterback, right, mm. or at least play on that level. you got to have focus, and you got to have a desire stronger than any of your other competitors. So let's say you got that, right? You're, you're, you're turned into me. If I say do, if I say at all costs, I don't want you to miss this throw inside the numbers. You have to miss this vertical route from the numbers to the sideline, and it can be the shortest throw in the world. But by dang, I'm going to make this right. You know what I mean? You got to right. have a you got to have a discipline to make yourself better. Out of every those other things of throwing motion, mechanics, hips, footwork, I would say footwork. Footwork throws everything off. If I overstride, I drop my shoulders. If I stride too far up and I then swing the gate, I'm throwing up an open chest. I have no torque in my ball. Tom mm. Brady is a big believer 
and, and, and not sure he doesn't. If he throws a quick out to the left or a tenant out to the left, throwing that left side, placing that left foot in the perfect spot to where you leave your receiver without cutting yourself off, but you're not throwing your left shoulder open and throwing with an open chest, which would cut velocity. Footwork is very important. We need to mention hips. I was working hips today with the younger kid. That's power. You know what I mean? Like, if, I, if, you, you're, if, you, if your PGA golfers have strong hips, their, their arms come behind. A cleanup hitter rotates with his hips, his arms follow. Quarterback is the same thing. I do. I never throw all on. My goal is to take a kid from the seventh grade, and by the time one year, just a one year of training with me, maybe a year and a half to where they can throw a ball effortlessly, and they don't know they do. Mm. They get out of gritting their teeth. They get out of tensing up, and they can just flick it, and it goes correlating to what age they are, 30, 40, 50 yards. Because they have the right footwork, because they have the right hips, and they don't they don't grit their teeth while doing it. That's my goal. So one, it starts with the it factor, and two, I'd say footwork. Everything else behind that is it, it, lastly, I really say is sequencing. Mm. Um, we're a big believer in that at quarterback country. When that left foot hits the ground is when I torque my left shoulder. The second my right arm, it's quote the second part of the throw motion, not the front part, not your shoulder torque and step, is the backside. When that your throwing arm starts moving forward, that right toe, your right foot better get on that toe quickly. Mm. And I better open up my hip quickly. That's power. If I throw it all arm and then I drag my toe, they're not sequenced stuff together. I'm leaving velocity out there. So there's a lot in the sequencing, which is, I guess, look, I mean, I guess you would say that's footwork. But, um, yeah, I'd say definitely the it factor, desire to learn and focus, and determination to get make yourself better without having someone else to tell you you need to get better man great stuff great stuff you've been listening that's ryan buchanan with qb country uh who is joining us here for these last two segments uh ryan how can folks get in touch with you by phone uh if they want to learn more about qb country yeah uh i would i, I you know I, I don't give myself a number out but i'll get a uh most of the time, we just send people to our, our website, okay. cbcountry.com. You'll see a, a Mississippi location. Um, you know, you can see my phone number there. You can email me. And most people shoot me an email, ryan at cbcountry.com. You know, hey, my kid's this age. Hey, he's played quarterback that much. Yeah. I, first off, I don't care what you say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond. I'll probably awesome. give you a call and find a time to schedule that works for both Perfect. parties. Perfect. Ryan, appreciate you joining us. We'll be back with more upon further review right after this. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with Josh Dorman. Call us on our caller line at 601-366-1180. Welcome back in Upon Further Review. I want to thank Ryan Buchanan for joining us those last two segments. We are in the Garner Dental Group Studios. Garner Dental Group, collection of 18 dental and orthodontic offices, conveniently located across Mississippi. Complimentary whitening for new hygiene patients is available. Visit their website, LakeGarnerDentalGroup.com, or call 601-271-8710 for information about their five metro locations or others across the state and region. 
Uh, a lot of great conversation with Ryan uh, those last two segments. And want to encourage you, Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, caller line, 601-366-1180 or 601-817-0106. Shoot us a text uh, on that line, 601-817-0106 is the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi text line. Uh, if you want to uh, give us your feedback with regards to uh, high school quarterbacks and uh, maybe what programs you feel like are doing a great job in developing high school quarterbacks, some programs that we believe are doing a great job. And, and listen, this is something that you can uh, look into and see what offenses they're running. But uh, certainly, you know, Gardner Minshew uh, in the NFL with Jacksonville and Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Uh, you know, obviously Brandon's doing a good job at developing quarterbacks. Uh, State Stanislaus, they are doing a terrific job. They have uh, uh, Miles Brennan, who is down at LSU. But look, even even go before that, and uh, and you're talking about um, uh, Dylan Favre was there. Uh, you're talking about uh, there's a couple others that were uh, from St. Stanislaus. They've done a terrific job developing quarterbacks uh, down there as well. You got Luke Altmeyer coming out of Starkville. He is the highest rated quarterback in the class of 21. Uh, out of Starkville, you got Abraham uh, behind. Well, I guess he and Will Rogers, Jack Abraham, who had a terrific couple years at uh, Southern Miss, is now at Mississippi State with Will Rogers, and they're duking it out uh, for that quarterback spot there for the Bulldogs. Uh, and he's out of Oxford High School. Uh, so you know, a lot of lot of folks uh, getting it done from the standpoint of developing those quarterbacks, and uh, certainly those guys have probably worked with some guys like Ryan Buchanan in the past. Uh, but there's a lot to it, and and one of the things. And I got a text from a coach, and again, I I'm not going to um, you know to to tell you who these I've coaches uh, throughout the state that I talk to about a lot of different things, and so we protect their identities uh, as we share information that they share with us. But one of the things that that has come up a lot in conversation is just the unwillingness for coaches to change. You know, we all get set in our ways, we become comfortable, we become a a little bit stagnant, and and certainly the modern offensive philosophies are much different than maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, and it seems that the coaching ranks have all come up in this certain idea, whether it's the wing tee, the wishbone, this, this certain idea, and they haven't learned how to use a hybrid version of that to utilize the pass. Uh, and so, you know, as we move forward, uh, hopefully in this state, one of the greatest things to develop quarterbacks is to have systems that utilize the quarterback. Not just to run the football, to throw the football. Not just to say, hey, you know, our best athlete's going to be at quarterback. We're going to line it up and roll. Now, listen, I get it. If you have an SEC-level running back, I'm not saying you need to change that just so that you can start throwing the football. But what I'm saying is when you see that you have talent at the quarterback position, instead of underutilizing that person because you as a coach don't want to develop an offense that is more modern, that gives opportunity to throw the football or to, to develop that quarterback, maybe you got to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, change your ways up a little bit, and and maximize the talent that you have within your program. Uh, and we've certainly seen that uh, a lot. And one of the things that that um, that you know when you when you look at it, coaches have to be willing to learn. They have to be willing to change. There's a lot of examples out there that, that, that you know, you see this happening. Uh, you see coaches that change over time uh, and morph, and that's, uh, you know, not just in the game of football, but uh, across the board. Uh, one of the other things that's going, that's, that's come up a lot in my conversation with the coaches about developing quarterbacks is just the utilization of seven-on-seven. Seven. More reps, 
You know, you, you, you hear the saying, it is easier to develop good habits than it is to break bad habits. And in quarterback play, that's no different. If you don't give a quarterback the reps to do it correctly, the reps to read progressions, then, then you can't expect that quarterback to be prepared and successful in game time or at the next level. And so seven-on-seven seven certainly has become a, a massive aspect of development when it comes to all skilled players, uh, but, you know, the quarterback specifically. Uh, so, you know, that's something to look for uh, is, is, is do we see an, an increase in seven-on-seven seven activity in the spring and summer? Do we see more teams participating in these seven-on-seven and focusing on the development uh, of these quarterbacks? And uh, that's something that, that I would like to see. Uh, you know, I've talked with, court, with, with, with uh, coaches from Texas, coaches from uh, California, from Tennessee, from Florida, and, and all of these guys are, are talking about the advancement of offenses. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, again, we go back to, look, that's a, a large capital. Those are large capital states. Uh, they have uh, certainly more athletes uh, at their disposal. But at the end of the day, you can see when you have a young person coming up through middle school, hey, look, can they sling it around a little bit? And if they do, hey, go on to some websites, coaches. Go on and, 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 and do some research and, and kind of get out of this mold of, hey, I'm just going to do it like I've always done it. Uh, it's one of the things in coaching that bothers me the most. The whole idea is I've always done it this way, so I'm going to just keep doing it this way. doesn't matter if it's the right way or if it's the best way. We're just going to do it because that's what we've always done, uh, and that's what creates stagnation and really hinders uh, the ability to uh, develop athletes, and that goes to any sport. Uh, it does not matter what sport you're talking about. The idea that we're going to just always do it like we've always done it sometimes doesn't hold water. Now, the flip side of that is if you're doing it how you've always done it and you're winning state championships and developing athletes, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, at that point, nothing needs to change. But uh, we appreciated uh, Ryan Buchanan joining us. He runs the QB Country. Just a couple ways to also get in contact with him. I know he threw out his website there. I uh, also want to tell you that you can get in touch with him on uh, Twitter as well as on Instagram. His Twitter feed is underscore Ryan Buchanan underscore. So that's underscore Ryan Buchanan underscore on Twitter or Ryan9Buchanan on Instagram, and QB Country on Twitter and Instagram if you want more information about Ryan, what Ryan does from a developmental perspective. thought it was interesting. You look at every sport, Ryan talked about footwork. Well, first thing he talked about was mental. And the analogy that he gave, listen, parents, if you're out there right now, this is great dinner table conversation. The analogy he gave about him explaining a technique or showing, critiquing a player's throwing motion, and that player is paying attention to everything going on in the gym except for what he's saying, and he talked about focus, that is becoming more and more, more and more prevalent, guys. If you're a parent and you want your athlete to get better, tell them to lock in to what that coach or trainer is saying. Lock in. Don't let the distractions around you. That's something that he uh, that he talked about was the first thing that he sees, and that goes to the mental side of all sports. As a coach, I see that where you know you're in a huddle and 
your kids are looking off in different things in the stands. You're not connected, and if you're not connected, you can't grow. You can't get any better that way, young people. Parents, it's a great opportunity for you to have a conversation and say, hey, listen, you want to get better, improve your focus. That's not something that's physical. It doesn't take talent to do that. It just takes your attention. Then he went to footwork. Is, is the foundation not always the most important thing, whether you're hitting, pitching, shooting a basketball, ice skating. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Your foundation, your base is the most important thing. And one other thing he mentioned, hips is where the power comes from. If you remember, we talked with Dedrick Clark a couple weeks ago, and we talked about the importance of the hips. And so many strength and conditioning programs are not doing things to A, stretch, and B, strengthen hips. The hips are where your power comes from. So if you're a student athlete out there and you're wondering how you can get more powerful in your swing, in your throwing motion, uh, on your explosiveness off the floor, start with the hips, the core. Those are very important aspects to becoming better athletes. Great hour talking about quarterback development. I'm looking forward to seeing more and more quarterbacks developed here in the state of Mississippi. We've got several coming out in the class of 2021. You've got um, uh, you've got Ty Keys down there uh, from the Pine Belt area. Uh, you got Luke Altmyer. I mentioned he's going to uh, he's coming out of uh, Starkville, going to Ole Miss. So we'll uh, we'll keep in mind uh, keep a watch on what he does uh, and how he develops. You've got the the Pittman young man out of uh, McGee. Uh, and uh, he was coached by Teddy Dice and, and worked with as well by his offensive coordinator and uh, somebody very dear to me, Caleb Schufelt. Uh, and uh, so he, he is actually going as an athlete, I believe, to Southern Miss. But we'll, we'll be looking at some of these quarterbacks and, and what they're able to accomplish, and we'll hope that their success moves through to the collegiate level because of the training and development that they get here in high school in the state of Mississippi. A lot, a lot of Coming up in the next hour, we're going to be joined by Doug Colson from Mississippi Sports this morning on this station every weekday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. And we're going to talk about the NFL draft, something we haven't covered on the show yet, uh, but we're going to get plenty of that here coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Upon Further Review. We'll be right back. to the Garner Dental Group Studios. I am Josh Dorman, your host of Upon Further Review. We appreciate you joining us. Great first hour where we focused on quarterback development at the high school level and uh, had a lot of great conversation there with Ryan Buchanan. And uh, we are now thankful to be joined by Doug Colson uh, here to talk some NFL draft. Doug, how are you this, this evening? I'm doing good, Josh. The show takes a turn for the worse now. No. Just, you know, uh, I agree. I heard you guys last segment. That was great stuff. And the whole time I'm going, boy, this is really going to go off the deep end once I get on here. But, uh, no, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Man, we are great. Just want to remind everything, everyone that Doug and Mark Alexander uh, 
are on Mississippi Sports this morning here on the station, 106.3 FM, every weekday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. So make sure you tune in and catch those guys uh, daily. And uh, they certainly they certainly are, are high level at this uh, and, and not uh, they, they, they leave the, the Monday nights for the novice of the bunch. So uh, no, no, that's not true. Mark, <laughs> Mark is the whole reason why the show really runs. He is the uh, the impetus for uh, everything on our show. So uh, I just want to give him his props because he said the last time I was on a radio show, I didn't mention him. So I had to oh. make sure to, to suck up to Mark. That, yeah, yeah. You need to suck up to Mark a little bit. Um, so look, uh, one of the we 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 haven't covered the NFL draft um, yet. Uh, but the NFL right. draft is coming up this Thursday, and so I felt like it was a good opportunity, and uh, you are the draft guru. So I uh, wanted to bring you on and talk a little NFL draft. And, you know, one of the, the worst-kept secrets is, um, uh, it, it, along with me gaining weight, is that uh, Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick uh, coming up Thursday. Is there anything that keeps that from happening? No, no, and that that's one of the things. I mean, uh, look, Jacksonville, that takes been locked in for months now. Uh, there's been talk that uh, Trevor Lawrence already has the playbook. He has, uh, you know, he recently got married, and Jacksonville fans were sending him wedding gifts and that kind of stuff. So that's about as locked in as it could be locked in at this point. Uh, you know, uh, Zach Wilson from BYU, the quarterback going to the Jets with the number two spot, is as locked in as that can be. The draft essentially starts with that third pick, and who really knows what San Francisco is going to do right now. They they made that trade over a month ago to trade up into that third spot. Uh, everybody kind of assumed initially it was for Mac Jones, the quarterback out of Alabama, uh, and, and that could still be the pick, but there's all this talk now that there's um, other players out there that have really piqued their interest, and according to what the Niners are saying, look, draft week, you can really can't believe any of the information that's coming out, but uh, what they're saying right now is that it's still up in the air who they're going to take at three. So yeah. the draft essentially begins with that third pick in San Francisco. All right, so you covered San Francisco, and one of the you know, there's a couple interesting things. Number one, one of the players that has been on the the radar for San Francisco has been Justin Fields, but in some of the latest uh, models that I've seen, the mock drafts, which again. You know, on draft week, you can't really – you don't know what's right. going to happen, but there are some that have him falling down to number eight to Carolina. Uh, with, with So is it possible that if he slips past San Francisco there, that Justin Fields winds up at eight with Carolina? It, it's possible that he could, you know, slide even farther than that. There, You know, I would think that – I would think actually his firewall is probably number nine with Denver. Um, I think that's probably the last place for him to fall. But, you know, strange things have happened on, on draft day. We've seen it uh, happen in the past. But I, I would think with all the excitement that is for these quarterbacks, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I think all these, the, the top five quarterbacks, all have traits that I think teams look for and, and teams try to identify. And I think all these guys have the potential to be Good quarterbacks. I don't know if all of these guys deserve to go in the top ten. Mm. If that makes any yeah. sense, um, but it's going to be interesting to see where they all fall and where they go. Um, they've all gotten, you know, when you get into these next three, when you talk about Justin Fields.
Fields, when you talk about Mac Jones, and when you talk about Trey Lance, they have all gotten a, a separate push at one time or the other. Trey Lance is kind of going through his push uh, right now. There's some talk that he could go three overall. So it, it's interesting to see the wranglings and where these guys are going to end up. I think that's what makes Thursday night so interesting and the intrigue leading up to the draft is because you don't really know uh, where these guys are going to go and what order they're going to uh, go in. I, I personally think Fields, if I'm ranking these quarterbacks, I would probably put Fields. He's very close to Wilson for me. So, I, I you know, I got spooked last year by Herbert. I liked Herbert a lot coming out last year, but I got spooked by the whole Oregon quarterback thing. Mm-hmm. He proved me wrong. He had a great rookie year. And I, I'm not going to fall for that again with the Ohio State quarterback thing where they've never really turned out a great quarterback. Yeah, I, I think Fields is maybe the biggest uh, boomer bust, maybe Trey Lance. A lot of people think that with. But, um, you know, I, I would probably, if I was felt like I was forced to take a quarterback and I was one of these teams and I had a choice between the three, I wouldn't want to miss out on Fields and I'd take my chance with him. So I, I think he's probably – you know, second or third best quarterback off the board in this draft. Okay. When you look at uh, trades, there's been a lot of smoke around number four, uh, which belongs to Atlanta, and number 10, which belongs to the Cowboys. Uh, Do you foresee either of those teams uh, trading out of those picks, potentially uh, for a New England or somebody else to jump in and and get a quarterback there? Yeah, it's possible. I I would think that uh, if you're Atlanta at four, you're probably looking at them. If they're trading back, they're probably looking to get to um, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. I, I I have a hard time seeing New England. It's just so against their character. Now, they could go out this offseason and spend a ton of money in free agency, which was against what they normally do. But I, I just have a hard time seeing the Patriots taking what it would, uh, you know, with draft picks and all what they would have to get up in the trade to get up into the 4-5 or five range. I just think that would be too rich for New England to try to get up that high. Now, if one of those quarterbacks slides to, you know, that 9-10 range, I could see uh, the Cowboys moving backwards um, and going to 15 and see the Patriots come up five slots. That would make some sense to me. But I have a hard time seeing the Patriots going up to four. But, you know, like I said, they did – go out and spend uh, a ridiculous amount of money in free agency, and that's something they've never done under Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, great point. Uh, as you look it, in the it, first Atlanta, round. Atlanta, though, at four is going to be really interesting because they could go a number of different ways. They could take one of these quarterbacks at four. They could take Kyle Pitts, who would make a lot of sense to, to help that offense. And, uh, I mean, think of how explosive that offense could be, uh, adding a guy like Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. to it. Uh, I, I – I like where they're at. It'll be real interesting to see what Atlanta does, and especially with the new regime in there, you don't really have any history to know what they're going to do. So they're completely up in the air and a complete history. That that last part of the top ten, moving you know really from from probably six or seven to fifteen, you have several SEC wide receivers that come into play: Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. Um, who do you see to be the better of those, uh, and 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 where do you like uh, where do you like that that pick to start 
uh, from the standpoint of the first wide receiver off the board? Yeah, I, I would say I, I think the first wide receiver will be Chase. I, I think he probably goes off the board at six to Miami. I think that makes uh, a lot of sense there. There's some talk of the, the Alabama receiver sliding a little bit, and I, I think that's just because of some other players. I like those two guys a lot. I think uh, you know Smith and Waddle are, are really, really good wide receivers. I, I think a lot of people maybe forget how good Chase was um, You know, the year before. Uh, he did opt out last year, and you, you go back to watch him play. He, he is a dominant wide receiver. I think he's throw. I, I put him a little higher just because he brings the size element to the table that those other two uh, don't. Waddle is an amazing wide receiver and a playmaker, maybe the top playmaker in this draft when it comes to that wide receiver position. And then Smith, uh, you know, with all the wide receivers Alabama's had two years ago, I really, really – uh, latched on to him, and I thought he would be maybe the best pro out of the bunch, mm. and we'll see. But I, I, I would say if either of those two guys are floating around in the in the teens area, it would be shocking to me. I would think both those guys would be off the board. I, I would say 15 at the latest for uh, all those three SEC receivers. But I'd say starting at 6 to somewhere in the 12-13 uh, range. Perfect, perfect. Don't go anywhere. We've got more with Doug Colson on the NFL Draft coming up Thursday night. You're listening to Upon Further Review. We'll be right back. Welcome back in upon further review. 106.3 FM, The Fan, the Garner Dental Group Studios. And we are once again joined by Doug Colson of Mississippi Sports this morning. Airs uh, every weekday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. along with Mark Alexander uh, here on the station. So, Doug, uh, we kind of left off talking about uh, wide receivers here in the first round. And um, I want to, I always like to know. Who's your your sleeper? Let's say the first round sleeper of maybe who has the most upside between now and Thursday to climb up, and maybe who has the most downside between now and Thursday that has the most opportunity to fall uh, in the first round specifically. Yeah, one of the guys that I'm hearing a lot of buzz, or there seems to be a lot of buzz on that's really moving up right now is a guy we're all familiar with, Elijah Moore. Uh, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Uh, he's kind of always been, you know, started off maybe in this process as a third-round pick, moved up into the second round. It's, you know, if you look at a bunch of mock drafts, you see him at the end of the first round, in the second round, you know, really in that, like, 25 to 35 range. But uh, hearing a lot of stuff right now, and, in fact, uh, Todd McShay was just talking about on their latest podcast that, He's here, and he's definitely the fourth wide receiver uh, off the board and could be off the board in the in the mid to early teens. So uh, don't be shocked if Elijah Moore's name gets called uh, much earlier than maybe some people uh, are expecting. I, I'd say my personal 
uh, favorite player in this draft is a guy, David Collins, a linebacker out of Tulsa. Um, I think he's going to go a lot higher than people are predicting him. I'm seeing a lot of kind of, you know, early second round, late first round, but he's just one of those guys to me that, uh, you know, big rangy linebacker, uh, you know, built, uh, you know, kind of like a, an Erlacher and plays that way too. Uh, you know, played at Tulsa, didn't have many offers coming out of, uh, I don't believe he had, uh, like a, uh, you know, power five offer coming out of high school, but this has really grown and developed and, you know, makes a ton of plays. He's one of my probably personal favorite uh, players in this draft. And a, a guy that I have to think, a guy that I think is going to slide. Let me think about that for a minute. I'll come up with somebody before we uh, we get off the air here, though. How about that? Yeah, perfect, perfect. You mentioned Elijah Moore. Uh, some of the mocks I've seen have him going as low as 53 uh, to the Titans. The fourth wide receiver currently projected uh, in the latest uh, mock draft I've seen would be Kadarius Toney. Uh, out of um, uh, Florida, and uh, yeah, I, and he would be he would be going to the Green Bay Packers in this mock draft with the 29th pick as the fourth receiver. So certainly a lot of upside there for Elijah Moore, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of mock drafts of him going to the Titans, but have him going to the Titans at 24. But uh, I was a little shocked to hear that you know he's really really moving up and what teams are saying right now, and that. He could actually be off the board in the teams, which would be really interesting. Wow, that would be interesting. You mentioned uh, Zayvon Collins, a linebacker out of Tulsa, 6'4", 260 pounds. He's the third-ranked linebacker in this draft, and and uh, this draft I'm looking at, this mock draft has him going number 30 uh, to Buffalo, but it also says that uh, he p- could potentially go as high as number 11. Uh, so uh, yeah, certainly – He's just one of those guys that uh, I, I think he may surprise a lot of people Thursday night where he goes. And, again, if you haven't seen him play or if you get an opportunity just to go watch some highlights, uh, you know, is always around the ball, uh, playmaker, you know, can, can cover and intercept passes, has that kind of speed, but then, you know, has the size, moves forward, makes a lot of plays in the backfield. Uh, he would make a lot of sense for the Saints if uh, – He's on the board when they're picking at 28. Najee Harris uh, looks to be projected as the first uh, running back uh, potentially to go off the board, with some saying to Miami there at number 18. Uh, What is going on in the NFL specifically and the running back position? Because it seems like uh, you go back 15 or 20 years ago and and running backs were flying off the board, uh, and now it seems like teams are taking – um, the the path that, hey, listen, we can get a good running back deeper in the draft, and in a lot of cases a running back is not worthy of, of one of these high-end picks. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you that's one of the theories that I have uh, really latched onto as we've moved along in this process. I, I, you know, I think they make sense at the end of the first round if you can get a, a really good running back and you have a need. Uh, and, a, and a hole there, but I, I wouldn't touch a running back in the in the top ten now. Uh, you know, for anything, I just I think it's just been proven out over time that you can find running backs throughout the draft. Uh, so many teams have gone to a a committee type uh, system now that it's you know they just don't have a true bell cow running back that's going to carry the ball twenty twenty five thirty 
times a game. You just don't see that many teams running that those kind of offenses now, and it's it's a position that you know while important, it's not as important as it once was in the NFL. And I think that's kind of represented in where guys get drafted now when it comes to this. Because you're right. I mean, 15 years ago, a guy like Najee Harris was a was a top five pick, and uh, now you're seeing him, you know, somewhere. Uh, you know, mid to late first round and, you know, how many running backs will go uh, that early. And there's some great early backs. Uh, Etienne, the kid out of uh, Clemson, is a, is a really good running back. Javante, uh, uh, who am I thinking of? Javante Williams, the, the running back out of North Carolina, right. is, a, is a fun kid to watch too. Yeah. But hey, there's just not that many teams out there that put the emphasis uh, on on the running game that way, or, or if they do, it's more of a running back by committee, and we can, you know, get guys in the later rounds that can fill those roles. You mentioned Travis Etienne. Uh, one of the mock, mock drafts I saw had him going at 33, first pick of the second yeah. round. To guess who? Jacksonville to join Jacksonville. his quarterback. Uh, wouldn't that be something? All right, let's move to the 28th pick that belongs to. Uh, a, a team that is very popular here in the area, uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, big needs in the secondary, uh, really defensively as a whole, but certainly the secondary. What do you see happening uh, at number 28 with the uh, first pick for the uh, New Orleans Saints? Yeah, I, I think uh, linebacker, secondary, cornerback uh, position makes some sense. I, I think uh, they could use a safety, uh, need some some. Obvious uh, defensive line help a little bit. They got raided a little bit in free agency there. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they dipped into uh, the wide receivers early in this draft. Maybe with the wide receivers being as deep in this draft, maybe they'll hold off to the second or third round to get um, a receiver. But I think you could see first round, I think for them, you know, corners make a lot of sense. If there's somebody there, linebacker makes some sense. Uh, for them, and, and wide receiver probably makes some sense also. So the the uh, 28th pick up up in the air right now for the Saints, a couple couple of mock drafts I've seen had them taking, uh, one of them had them taking Greg Newsom, uh, the cornerback out of Northwestern. Uh, yeah. He's a 6'190 pound, uh, 90 pound cornerback, ranked sixth cornerback uh, in the 33rd overall prospect. So that will be interesting for the uh, New Orleans Saints. On the other side, uh, also have a lot of people that follow. You could argue if it was the case or not, but America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, they have the fifth, uh, excuse me, the tenth slot with some projecting them to move out of that uh, so that somebody, maybe New England, somebody else can move up and get a quarterback. Uh, what do you see them doing with their two first-round picks uh, with needs that they may have? Yeah, I, I think Patrick Sertan, the corner out of uh, – uh, Alabama and certainly a lot of people in this state familiar with his dad with his time at, at USM and played with the Dolphins for a very long time. Um, I, I think he makes a lot of sense uh, for Dallas there. I think J.C. Horn makes some sense, the corner out of uh, South Carolina. They they need a lot of help on defense, and I think it would make sense for them probably to try to move back, get a couple more picks and see if they can load up um, you know, in, in some ways to help their defense. But you never know what Jerry's going to do. Uh, you know, he's he's been very vocal in his love for, for uh, you know, the, the tight end Kyle Pitts. Mm. And you know, it's, 
I wouldn't put it past the Dallas Cowboys. You know, Jerry loves to make a splash. Would he possibly trade up uh, to get picks? I, I think it's. I don't. I wouldn't rule that out at this point. I don't think it's likely. I think, you know, if if you remember uh, a, a few years ago when when Johnny Manziel was running around and. Uh, you know, Jerry was in love with him also, and there was talk of him trying to, uh, you know, get Johnny Manziel, and there was talk of the, you know, the phone basically being wrestled out of Jerry's hands in the war room there, and they they made a pick on the offensive line, which made a lot of sense for them at the time. I, I think as much as he loves a, a Kyle Pitts or, or he loves these offensive players to put around a guy like Dak Prescott, I think it makes sense for them to really try and help the defense, and they've got to fix that secondary. So I think a guy like Patrick Sertan uh, makes a lot of sense for them with the 10th pick. Secondary, definitely a big need in uh, Dallas Cowboys country. Uh, we've been uh, joined by Doug Colson, Mississippi Sports, this morning uh, here on 106.3 every weekday morning, 6 to 8 a.m. Doug, we appreciate you taking some time tonight to break down the NFL draft with us and wish you the best on the show with Mark Alexander uh, every morning, 6 to 8 a.m. here at 106.3 FM. Doug, thanks a lot. Hey, Josh, keep up the good work, man. Enjoying the show. Thanks, my friend. That was Doug Colson. A little breakdown of the NFL draft, something that we had not done on this show um, up to this point. And so we wanted to make sure we did that uh, heading into Thursday night's draft and Doug Colson uh, bringing uh, great knowledge there for the NFL draft. I uh, want to remind you about Jerry Brewer, a trusted choice advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance. He is a local uh, insurance agent there with Southern Gulf States, and you can contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or at southerngulfstates.com. Coming up next, we're going to have the challenge with the judge. Jim Judge is going to throw the flag on Load management in the NBA. If you've paid, well, if you haven't paid for a ticket in COVID, but maybe in the past you have and you show up and the superstars are having load management. If you have a gripe there, well, guess what? The judge is throwing the flag as well. We'll look forward to talking with the judge next on the Coach's Challenge. You're listening to Upon Further Review on 106.3 FM, The Fan. car no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss out on spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the job right the first time. You'll find great deals on brake pads and rotors, fluids, degreasers, and more. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Parts.com. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with your host, Josh Norman, on WJQS The Fan. And welcome back in 
Upon further review, I am Josh Dorman, your host. We are in the Garner Dental Group studios. Somebody's favorite music here. And you know what time that means. That music means it's time for the (laughs) Coach's Challenge with the judge, Jim Judge. Uncle Jim, how you living tonight? I'm doing all right. I guess I'm ready to come with the explosives tonight, Josh. Listen, I've I've teed it up. Uh, it's like uh, it's like um, uh, Bryson DeChambeau on on a uh, on a 450 yard par four. He it's teed up. It's ready for you to knock it out of the park. You are throwing the flag tonight on load management in the in, in the uh, NBA. What's going on there? Well. I think about four or five years ago, I think this was uh, conceived. And, of course, you could probably go all the way back to Pop, maybe, at the end of his Spurs run. But uh, more popularly, uh, you know, it's become a uh, a common thing among what I'm going to kind of call the uh, the superstar speed dial list. So, you know, you, you kind of get an idea of who I'm talking about. But that group of NBA players – Specifically, that's what we're talking about, uh, and that uh, it's amazing how the things be, they seem to fall into line, you know, on whatever approach it may be, whether it be, uh, you know, going and making a super team like a LeBron or Durant and, uh, you know, a couple of moves like that, or uh, whether it be into really the players taking an active role in scripting their seasons. By, by so-called load management, you know, you might call it, some would call it tanking, some would call it sandbagging. But, uh, you know, it, it's very obviously uh, there, in my, in my opinion. Uh, and just we, we talked about the, uh, the injury situation and that there are legitimate, no doubt, uh, occurrences and injuries, obviously, in the, in the NBA ball, and uh, that's part of it. But uh, the way that... Uh, there, there's a lot of coincidences and you know, I'm not a real big believer in coincidences. All right. So let me, let me ask you this. You've got right now, Kyrie Irving has played 45 games. Most NBA teams have played 60, maybe 61 or 62. Uh, the majority of the games he's missed were due to um, uh, personal reasons. So uh, he, he had, other things he had to do other than play basketball. Um, Kawhi Leonard, 46 games played. Paul George, 46 games played. There's been a lot of conversation regarding the ratings in the NBA. Now, you can chalk that up to many different things, and just so our listeners understand, we, we are not a political show. We don't get involved in politics. We said it from the very beginning. We believe that politics are are intended to divide. Sports were intended to unite. And we want our show to be about unity, but we also have to, you know, when we're talking about sports, people got to understand that, that there are reasons for things happening. And some would say that the reason the NBA ratings have dropped so drastically uh, have been due to uh, their political activism in some cases, uh, but could it also be that people don't want to turn on the television and watch a bunch of average players play hoops? They want to see superstars. Absolutely. I mean, uh, myself as huge a fan as I am, 
uh, a week ago, I believe, the Lakers played the Nets, and I, I didn't have an appetite to watch it. You know, uh, no LeBron or AD for the Lakers and none of the big three for the Nets. And, uh, you know, Blake Griffin's doing a nice job, but, you know, I wasn't going to tune in to see that show. And th that's a marquee matchup. That's just an example. And uh, that dilution is, you know, is, is evidenced by the quality of the product night to night. Uh, certainly impacts it. And also it raises questions in minds like myself as to uh, the real uh, legitimacy of these regular season games. They've been uh, kind of ruled this year as really unnecessary. doesn't matter where you end up. There's no home court advantage anyway. You know, that's, that's what I'm hearing out of, you know, with L.A. and the Lakers. They'd love to see the Suns in the first round of 7-2. You know, they, they have every confidence they could beat the Suns. And they will be healthy because that's what this is all about. Just uh, getting your guys prepped, following the model from last year in the bubble. Yeah. Come back to the last eight games, six months off last year, and uh, that put, worked pretty good for the Lakers, didn't it? it? Sure did. Sure did. So, having that thought in mind, I, I, I'd like to get your opinion on one James Harden. So, we just heard about um, he has a hamstring issue, I think, that's cost him now several weeks, almost the entire month of April. Um, and uh, he was rehabbing, playing some three-on-three, four-on-four as part of his rehab, and we had a setback. Uh, and there's no timetable for his return. And while listeners may not necessarily, uh, you know, be concerned about the Brooklyn Nets or James Harden, it goes to an overall uh, idea that uh, are people just getting tired of, of what the NBA is offering from the standpoint of, load management from the standpoint of politi political activism? And, and are these things all combining to put the NBA in big trouble? And what's your thought on James Harden? Is he really hurt? Well, you know, the NFL has changed a lot of rules to protect the quarterback. And in the NBA, the quarterback is any, you know, the, of the superstar uh, speed dial group I talked about. And uh, so, uh, like I said, these guys are on speed dial. And they say, hey, you know what? That uh, that COVID uh, model with the uh, you know short season, we all come in rested for the playoffs, and we really only need to be together a few games because we're so great. You know, we're superstars, and uh, two or three of us together, and then that's it. It's the big three now. It's not a team. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where the game is going. No, Harden. Uh, again, that's a nice uh, specific report also. That's why I blame the league. And uh, their injury report uh, process now is a joke. No specificity whatsoever. Used to, you would get a specific report, something, maybe a reporter would, oh, my goodness, interview a, a team physician. You know, you don't get any medical report. You get a setback. It's going to be weeks for a setback. What was it anyway, a grade one, two, or three? Uh, you know, I don't even think he limped off the court. So, you know, absolutely, it's all been very calculated and measured where they end up at the end of the year. When you cited the list, they were all within two games of each other, 45, 46, 47. KD will be less than that. Obviously, he's coming off his uh, Achilles, so they're going to rest. You know, he's most of his stuff. Yeah, he took a knee in the thigh that was legit for two games, not two weeks, not at this point of the season. Right. So, yeah, the whole thing, I, I'm calling shenanigans. 
you look at LeBron and uh, it'll be, you know, six weeks and still not, he'll decide when he wants to come back, but it'll be before eight games or less for sure. We're throwing the flag on load management, NBA. Throw the flag, man. We, we hope you're listening out there. Look, I told a story um, earlier today to you about we went to watch Memphis and Dallas. And the day that we were going to the game, uh, it comes out that John Morant, this was been about a year and a half ago, and Chris Porzingis were both uh, sitting out due to phantom injuries. It was it was low load management, and here we were. We just spent, you know, whatever it was, seventy five, a hundred bucks a ticket to go have good seats at this game, and we don't get to see either one of them. Hey, folks, and you're listening to the challenge uh, with the judge. And uh, we just threw the flag on load management in the NBA, and maybe the NBA needs to heed that advice uh, because their ratings are tanking, which eventually will hurt revenue. Don't go anywhere because coming up next, the judge will return with us, and we'll have his good call and bad call of the week. You're listening to Upon Further Review. I'm Josh Dorman, your host. Hope you'll come back and listen to our last segment here in just a moment. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with Josh Dorman. If you'd like to participate in the show, give us a call at 601-366-1180. Welcome back in to the Garner Dental Group Studios. We are once again joined by the judge, and uh, now it's time for good call and bad call of the week. What is your good call of the week? Well, you know, it's unusual for me, and, of course, I'm living in a place with the, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks where, you know, baseball, we usually know we're out of it by, you know, pretty close this time in April, certainly by May 1. But uh, <laughs> it has been a couple of years like that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm really catching a little fire for, uh, especially uh, baseball out here in the West right now. I, I think you probably uh, were aware of that – uh, Dodgers uh, Padre series over the weekend, and uh, let me tell you, there's no love lost there. You're talking about rivals before; it's been lopsided Dodgers forever. But believe me, in San Diego, there's a rivalry with the Dodgers, and and vice versa as well. Yeah, yeah. So you know, my my good call in seeing that great action over the weekend was to say, hey, you know what? There is another dog in the fight right now. And, uh, you know, i got to give kudos to the, uh, the Padres, uh, the Friars, as it were, and uh, for, for the moves that they've made in the last couple of years that really put them in a competitive position. And they, they got some uh, real spark there with uh, Machado and now adding uh, Tatis Jr. So I'm going to give them a good call on spending the money. And, and actually, I, I did a little... Uh, primary math, Josh, you know, a little pencil, paper, a couple of toes, and, and realize that uh, with the uh, $340 million deal that uh, uh, Tatis 
Junior signed uh, just before the season over uh, 14 years. Uh, that, you know, that, that's a lot of money. That's a third of a billion dollars, but that's going to average out to just a little under $25 million a year. And there are probably eight players right now in MLB making more than that. Mike Trout at the, at the top at about $38 million this year. Uh, Trevor Bauer, the pitcher for the Dodgers, making uh, close to that, and on and on. And so uh, kudos to the Padres. And uh, I think Tatis Jr. is a, probably a, you know looking at a future superstar for sure. And what a great weekend. Uh, hit two run homers in consecutive games against the Dodgers, first time in 30 years that's happened. And actually, I don't know if you knew, but he hit a two-home run uh, game, and he was thinking about it on the way to the park the same day 30 years ago that his dad, uh, Fernando Tatis Sr., uh, hit two grand slams against the Dodgers on that same day yesterday, 30 years apart. That's special. Look, in the coming show, we're going to have uh, a, a uh, question for our caller and text line about the best father-son duos uh, in any sport. So that'll be fun, and certainly we can talk about the Tatises. You mentioned his contract. Involved in that contract, not just 14 years, $340 million, but he also gets a no-trade clause, a hotel suite. He can't just have a normal room, not the double queen or the single king normal room. It's a hotel suite and the right to buy a luxury suite uh, each place that they play uh, for Fernando Tatis. So that's our good call of the week by the judge. Marvelous. Marvelous. He he did very well for himself. Now, what's the bad call of the week? Well, you know, I was going to bust out the the draft busts, you know, and but I, I thought, you know, who am I really hitting there? You know, I was going to have a hammer out tonight, and uh, I said, I'm not really, you know, you're hearing people that are gone 15 years ago, you know, the Tom Brady 199th pick. You got, uh, you know, more recently the Cardinals. We were brilliant. We drafted up to get Drew Rosen, <laughs> drafted up to the 10th spot, and you know, you know, Drew Rosen probably not, but. Uh, you know, I, I figured I'm going to continue, uh, since I'm on baseball, with the, getting out the hammer on MLB. You know, last time we talked about the extra inning rule. By the way, I found out it's an unearned run if that uh, leadoff runner scores. So it never really happened. It was an error that's not really counted as an error. And I read this off MLB. So, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, MLB was a little bit more of their wisdom. Uh, you know, they have the doubleheader seven-inning rule, which is great, you know, but you're you're just kind of seeing a real ball game. You're not, you're not seeing a, a, a real game, you know, because it's not official. Uh, it, so, for example, what got me on this yesterday, you know, the D-backs and the Braves, uh, Diamondbacks pitchers, Gallon, and then uh, a Mad Bum, Bumgarner, uh, through consecutive shutouts, Matt Bump throws a no, the no-no, but it's not actually a no-no in the books. So, you know, again, it's one of those uh, rules that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And in this case, nice job, Matt Bump, but it's not a no-no. So, you know, those kind of things just, uh, I got to hammer Major League Baseball. It's not even a, not even a real game, or, or is it? They seem to be a little bit... Uh... Uh, a little bit uh, off the the pulse here uh, of the uh, of the people, would you say? 
Uh, you know, That's look, right. if, he, if he pitches a no-no, it's a no-no. That's right. You got to see the people, man. It's all about the you people. You give the people what they want, as Jalen Rose would say. That's exactly right. Give the people what they want. Well, that's been our good call and bad call with the judge, as always. Uh, Uncle Jim, we appreciate you joining us here on Upon Further Review. And yes, uh, we hope you've got the air conditioning running as you're probably about to top out north of 100 there in the desert. <laughs> hey, listen, that's a pretty good guess. You know, you can never go wrong with guessing that. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. We'll talk to you next week, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Hey, great show tonight, Josh. Thank Thanks, you, man. Okay. I uh, want to remind everybody, uh, Jerry Brewer is a trusted choice advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance. Contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or at southerngulfstates.com. And just another reminder, if you missed any of tonight's show or any of our other shows, uh, we're here every Monday night from 6 to 8 p.m. here on 106.3 FM, the fan in the Jackson metro area or online at wjqsthefan.com. If you miss any of the show and you want to uh, catch the show again, you can download the podcast. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you download your podcast, and uh, you can just search upon further review, or my name, Josh Dorman, with one O, and uh, that should pull up and you can download that. We appreciate those of you who are already downloading it, and uh, we would uh, say, listen, if you're out for a walk, whatever it may be, we have some spectacular guests. We've been very fortunate uh, for folks to spend their time with us. want to thank um, earlier in the show Ryan Buchanan with uh, Quarterback Country here in the local area talking high school development of quarterbacks. Uh, he spent a couple segments with us in the first hour. Here in the second hour, we've had a loaded time with Doug Colson uh, joining us. Uh, that's Mississippi Sports uh, this morning on this station, 106.3 FM, along with Mark Alexander from 6 to 8 a.m. every weekday morning. Uh, he talked the NFL draft with us, a lot of great information uh, about the draft. And, uh, and then we had, obviously, the judge, as he normally does with the Coach's Challenge, threw the flag on the NBA and their load management and then gave us his good call and bad call of the week. It's been a great show. Uh, we uh, we came in this, today from the beach and uh, had this show lined up. And, uh, you know, anytime we have the opportunity to talk about high school athletes, how we can be better for those athletes. Um, it's always fun for me because at the end of the day, I want to take you back and, and finish this show by reminding you why we exist. We are a grassroots show that's about sports. It's about bringing uh, recognition to high school athletes, high school programs. We are about helping develop high school athletes in whatever way we can. And so we hope that something that you've heard tonight has inspired you. Coaches, be inspired to learn. Be lifelong learners. Athletes, be inspired to be focused. You heard Ryan Buchanan say that earlier. That was his top thing when developing a quarterback, is being focused, listening and being attentive uh, to those that are teaching and coaching you, young people. And uh, and then you heard us talk about just uh, when you have an opportunity to do what God has blessed you to do, do it with all that you have, and uh, you will be successful. So we thank uh, each of our guests for joining us tonight. And uh, we hope that you've been able to glean something out of tonight's show that you can take with you as that is at the heart uh, of what you of what we do. Just a reminder, you can catch me on Twitter 
at JD Coach. That's my personal Twitter. You can catch the show upon underscore sports on Twitter. We hope you'll go there. We we give a little highlight for each show uh, each Monday morning, let you know who's coming on and uh, what the show will be about. So you can check that out upon underscore sports. Give us a follow there and give us a rating on the podcast. If you've downloaded the uh, podcast anywhere, uh, give us a rating. Five-star rating would be great. And uh, we're building this brand as a show uh, each and every day. Thank you to our sponsors, Garner Dental Group. Uh, our studio sponsor, Jerry Brewer and Trusted Choice Advisor with Southern Gulf States, and to Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It is good to be blue. You've been listening to another episode of, of Upon Further Review. I am Josh Dorman, your host. For Bill, myself, all of our guests, we appreciate you listening tonight. We hope you'll join us next week and every Monday night from 6 to 8 p.m., here on Upon Further Review. Have a great night, folks. If your loved one has passed away due to COVID-19, pay close attention to this message. You could be entitled to a death benefit of over $300,000. The U.S. government has set up a fund to pay families relief if they've lost a loved one due to COVID-19. We know this is a hard time for you, and this fund has been set up by the federal government to help ease your pain. The compensation includes a death benefit and lost wages benefit. Time is limited, so we urge you to make a free phone call right now. There's no cost to you for this claim. All legal fees are only covered once you receive your money. So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-876-7024. 800-876-7024. 800-876-7024. That's 800-876-7024. Paid for by the IPG Law Group. 